Thanks, guys. Uh, this is um, a big room. <laughs> hey, I'm going to sit down if that's okay. Um, how many pastors in the room, lead pastors? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Awesome. How many um, you work at a church, either volunteer or paid? All right. That lets me know. How many your, your pastor told you you have to come sit in this while he goes somewhere else? <laughs> All right. Good, good. Well, uh, my name is Sean Epstad, and I started the church when I was 24 years old which you got to be half crazy to start a church at 24. And uh, I don't know why I didn't have anybody in my life who's like, hey, Sean, maybe you should wait. <laughs> Just kind of naivety was a friend, I guess. And so we start the church and we had four girls under the age of two. So yeah, we're really good planners. And we had a two-year-old, a one-year-old and twins were zero. All right, ladies, that's, that's four girls under the age of two, four in diapers. I should have wrote, wrote Oprah and get some free diapers. You know what I mean? Like... You've seen a double stroller. We had a triple stroller and one on a leash. <laughs> Don't judge me. I'd have put it on a shot collar if California would allow it. But uh, we start the church and I was the one-man band, meaning you've seen the one-man band somewhere at, in your downtown, right? He's playing the guitar. He's doing the drums, the cymbals between his legs, and he's playing the harmonica. It's always impressive at first glance. But the closer you look, the more pitiful it is. And you'd never have that guy lead worship on a Sunday. All right, that's how I started church. I was setting up, tearing down. I was preaching, leading worship, offering announcements, prayer. There wasn't even a prayer team. It was like, line them up Benny Hinn style. I'm gonna pray for everybody. I did everything that there was to do and it was dumb church. Not that the church of Jesus is ever dumb, but the way I was leading it was dumb. We have an assignment whether you go Exodus, Old Testament, uh, Jethro principle, hey, what you're doing is not good. You're doing it alone. Or whether you go Ephesians 4, 11, hey, as pastors, we're not even, I'm not even a minister. I'm a pastor. My job as a fivefold ministry guy is to raise up the church to do works of ministry. Uh, I was robbing so many people of that feeling of what we all get when we do something that works and leads someone to Christ. I was robbing them of that. And the church was stuck at 300 people for seven years, zero growth and um, <clears throat> setting up, tearing down. And I was crying under my desk one day, literally, if I could be honest, it was in a house, <laughs> our offices, and I was under the desk crying, literal tears, sweating great drops of blood. And I begged God, please, please tell me who to give this church to because I've hit my lid. Like, I just, I can't take it anymore. Apparently I've hit my lid. Here's a scary thing. I began to accept it. I think there's some of you in the room today. You've hit your lid. All right. But I just don't, I need you not to accept it. John Maxwell, you could lift that lid. We did. Others did. Why couldn't you? God, we started a prayer meeting. And I wish I could say it was super anointed. It was like eight of us and six from my family, right? We rolled deep. It was me fumbling around on the keyboard, just trying to figure out the presence of God. And we banked on Jeremiah 33, three. If you call to me, I will answer you. And I will show you great and marvelous things that you haven't seen. And I was like, God, I'm not seeing great and marvelous. I'm seeing mediocre at best. Where's this great and marvelous stuff? And could you do this in the San Francisco Bay Area, the number one unchurched city in America? Could you do that here? And about a year in, two years in, we started adding growth track, dream team, small groups. And then we added our internship program. And that's what I'm told to talk to you about today. Um, I feel like there's several things that we lack in churches. Um, and I'll tell you one, I was at a conference about five years ago. They had five pastors on a panel and they said, hey, what's the, like after the very end, last question, what's the greatest need of your generation? Nobody was answering. I don't know if you've ever been on a panel before when nobody wants to answer. They're just kind of looking at each other like, hey, you got this, you got this. I grabbed the mic and I knew exactly what it was. I grabbed the mic and I was like, fathers. We need fathers bad. And I said this statement. We have a lot of mentors, but we like fathers. And some guy, I don't know who it was, raised his hand. He's like, what's the difference? You know, he raised his hand in a Q&A. I mean, uh, and, uh, and not a Q&A, &A, it was a panel. 
What's the difference? And I never thought about it before. I just spat it out and I think it's true. I, I didn't even filter it. I said this, well, I think a mentor is somebody you can call. I think a father is somebody who calls you. Paul said, we have 10,000 teachers. We have teachers up the wazoo. What we need is fathers. And he was like, I'll be a father to you. And we have, I don't know, maybe 13 spiritual sons that Paul had that we know of. <clears throat> Guys that he would raise up. And, and mentorship is weird. Like you ever have somebody come to you and like, hey, would you be my mentor? And something inside you feels very proud. Like, oh, 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 oh yes, I will mentor you. Yeah, I will. And they're like, all right, let's meet at Starbucks. And they come with a pad and a pen ready. Like they're super prepared and you're not. <laughs> they just start firing questions off like, go. And you're like, I didn't understand what the, uh, the prerequisites were. It's weird when you try to label it. Here's what it is. It's relationship. It boils down to relationship. It boils down to fathering. And there was a guy in our church <clears throat> Well, he didn't go to church. He came to our church. He just wanted to like prophesy. First day, first day comes up, front row, gives a message in tongues. And we're like, who, who is this guy? You know, waits for a quiet, uh, and some of you don't, you know, aren't in that stream, but let me just tell you, this is what happened. And front row, quiet point in worship, he, he goes for it. And there's nobody that interpreted. And I was like, all right, well, this is awkward. Hey guys, um, let me explain what just happened. And here's why that shouldn't happen anymore here because there was no interpretation. Thanks for your faith for trying it, but let's not do that again. You know, it was really awkward. I called him that night and I was like, hey, uh, talk, the wife answered the phone. Hey, I just want to talk to you for a second. Is your husband around? Oh my gosh, did he come to your church and try to speak in tongues and disrupt everything? Yeah. Were you there? No, but I won't go with him anymore. He just, he, he, it's embarrassing. He gets kicked out of so many churches, won't submit and ah. So I talked to him. I'm like, hey, um, listen, I know you were trying to, you know, do what you thought was right, but we don't know you. And I just need you ne never to do that again. <laughs> he was like, that's okay. The Holy Spirit told me not to come back. Oh, okay. Well, then we're good here. Awesome. <laughs> this works out for both of us. <clears throat> All right. So fast forward like a couple, uh, about a year and a half, he comes back again. And our ushers are like, whoa, uh, hey, hey, man, how, what, what are you doing here? I just come to worship and I go, I go to him. Hey, you're not going to do that again here. But I feel like the Lord gave me a word. No, you're not going to do that here. Are we clear? Oh, I got to, we're not going to do that. Thought so like three or four weeks. And, and every week I had to come to him. You're not going to do that here. You're not going to do that. Here. Oh, I got a word. You're not going to do that here. Finally, on an Easter Sunday morning, he comes, bro, you're not, You've been coming for a while. I don't want to have to have this conversation every time we're together. You're not going to do that here. I have a word. Well, God places under shepherds over the church, and I don't know you. I don't even know where you're coming from. I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know anything. I said, well, go ahead and give me the word. So he, he leans over and he gives me a word, and I'm listening. He said, did you get anything out of that? I said, I did not. <laughs> but thank you for doing that. So you're not going to do that here. Okay, I'm not going to do that here. All right, worship song. We got three worship songs. At the end of the third worship song, he goes for it. Just rebellion, right? Just blah, 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 blah. And I watched as the Holy Spirit shut him up. Nobody listened. Because everybody turns, it was greeting time. Everybody's greeting people, high five, Easter Sunday, the band's going. And I sat there and I watched this pitiful, grown, 55-year-old man be shut up. And my wife went up to him. Here's what I want you to remember. She said this, sir, I appreciate your willingness to try and obey what you think is true. Here's your problem. You ready for this? You so desperately want to be a father, but you've never learned how to be a son. Yeah, that's my wife. Guys, Paul said, I want you to entrust what I'm giving you to faithful people. We've got it before these, this next generation can be fathers. If we don't teach them how to be sons, they're going to be horrible fathers, horrible pastors, horrible leaders in the church, disgruntled, don't know anything about honor, don't know how to serve. 
you know, entitled, if we don't train them how to be sons, this next generation is going to be toast. I say all that, I open with that because I need you to sense the urgency of why internship is important. And uh, they need a place. 2 Timothy 2.2 is that verse, by the way. We need, if, if we're supposed to pass this on to faithful people, we've got to have a place where they can become faithful. You know what I mean? So the internship started off a few years back and it started with like seven people. <clears throat> it was full-time. I mean, it was Tuesday through Friday. It was like six hours, seven hours a day. Then they're serving everywhere. It was okay. A lot of work. And then the next year, our intern director came to me and said, Sean, we don't have enough people to do an internship. We're not going to be able to do one this year. I said, well, that's an option. We could just say no internship or it's our church. We can make it look like however we want it to look. And, and so we said, how about this? Instead of trying to replicate a Bible college experience, they don't need to be here seven hours a day. They don't have to quit their job. Here's what we want to do. We're going to do, you serve on the weekend. And at that time we had five services on the weekend. We have seven now. We had five there and they would serve all weekend. They would have a leadership class Sunday night. That was like two and a half, two hours or something, which is all leadership. We pour into them. They, they serve and give, we pour into them. And then they come to prayer meeting and youth group. <coughs> Easy. And that internship began to blow up. So now this May, we'll graduate 59 interns uh, that's, that have gone through this nine-month program. And I'm going to explain it to you because I want to I wanna make sure you understand how easy this was. How many have a current internship at your church right now? You have an internship. How many of you do not have one, but you won't? All right, so about 50-50. All right, here's what you need to know. Interns, write this down, are a pain in the butt. <laughs> they are. Internship is a pain in the butt. You, some of you are literally writing down. I love it. Here's, and write this. If you're going to write it down, write this second part, but you got to do it. You got to do it. Here's why. Raising kids is a pain in the butt. But I'm telling you, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. So Jesus had the 12. They had their, their guys and Paul had his guys. And like, if you want this to go on, it must be generational. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not just Abraham. So, so you got to provide a place where they can do this. I would say to you also that you don't need to let them know this is the safest place to be. This is the safest place to fail. If you're going to blow it, it's going to be great to mess up here because this is a learning ground. We're going to teach you a lot of things. And it's bringing a bunch of people closer that you normally would just see on a weekend, but you don't get to speak into their life. <clears throat> so uh, the cost is $1,800. You can charge whatever you want to. You can charge $700. You can charge $100. You can, you can pay them if you want to. Some churches will pay interns. And it's kind of like a, you know, $100, $203 a month just to be an intern, but you're paying them gas money, whatever. Whatever you decide, that's up to y'all. The reason we charge $1,700 is because um, it includes, they go down to the art conference West Coast and they serve like crazy. And let me just tell you, they are some of the greatest servants. And, and then we end, like this May, they're all going to the LA Dream Center. And we do it at the end on purpose. Here's why. Because I want to remind them at the end of a tough year, I want them to go to the Dream Center and let their heart break all over again for people and say, guys, this is why we do what we do. So it's all strategic. So those two, and then of course, all the meals you feed them during the year, uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have some pizza. You know what I mean? You're going to have some tacos. You're going to be feeding them. So that's kind of a win for us. Now, um, I want you to understand that it can look however you want it to. Don't try to look at somebody else's internship and try to duplicate that e e exactly. You can try, but if it's not a good fit, then change it. So for us, here's the two things we want you to learn out of our internship. I, it's not a Bible college. We're not trying to replicate it. Bible. We have a Bible college through SEU or an extension site, but the internship is not that. If you want that, go do that. This is just for two things. I want you comfortable and confident in ministry. I want you comfortable and confident in ministry. 
So you're going you're gonna to serve in every capacity at the church. You're going to do everything on a rotation. And in that process, you're going to find something you fall in love with. All right, so I was, an, uh, I was a youth pastor for several years, and my pastor told me to run an internship program. So we got, I don't know, like we, we, we might have had eight or nine people. Start the internship, and it was horrible. It was like, we were like the church's moving company. You know what I mean? All the people in the church were like, hey, I need a few interns this week. Can, we, can you help me move? All right, guys, we're going to help this family move again. And, and pretty soon, we just started moving people. And feeding them pizza. They, to this day, they hate pizza. <laughs> but um, I, was, I was not leading it well because I was trying to pour in to them. And I was trying to say, guys, wherever there's the opportunity to serve, we're going to serve there. And so I was right in principle, but, but it wasn't carrying over the right way. It's okay to do that once in a while, but come on. They need to feel like what they're doing is making a difference. So it is a wax on, wax off season, right? I want to learn how to punch. Well, you wax on, wax off first. So you're going to have some seasons where you're just teaching them principles and they don't get it yet. They don't get a microphone yet or they don't get, you know, stage time or whatever. There's got to be a place where they can practice though. If you have read the book 10,000 Hours, um, you'll know that here's the premise. If you can get 10,000 hours of doing one thing before the age of 18, you are an expert. So Tiger Woods, how many golf balls did he hit before 18? He spent way more than 10,000 hours. Michael Jordan, uh, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all these guys did one thing. And as much as they can get under their belt before 18, the more they'll become an expert. Well, we're not going to get 10,000 hours with an intern. But you can give them several steps ahead of an average person who wants to go into ministry. Or just somebody who who wants to be a good dream teamer. Like think of the Mormons for crying out loud. They all spend two years on a doggone mission field. I shouldn't say that, uh, on a mission field. Sorry, Lord, that was rude. Um, but they spend two years and then they're, it's solidified in them at a young age. I feel like everybody should go to an internship at a life-giving church before going to college or if you, just get some DNA, get rooted, get grounded, get a heart for the house of God, learn how to serve, you know, all that stuff before they go out. And because many of our teenagers are losing their faith in a college. They have a professor that comes up and just derails their faith and they are not prepared. It's not fair. Um, So we got to set them up for success, both theologically and also philosophically with how they serve and how they approach ministry. So I want you to be comfortable and confident. Our interns can serve in virtually every place, whether it's kids, maybe it's sound, maybe it's Uh, doing a little stage presentation, leading small groups, building teams. Come on. I went to Bible college and they never taught me how to build teams. Ever. I came my first year of church life as a youth pastor. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And that's why I was a one-man band for the first five years of our church. But that's how I did youth. That's how I did everything. So we've got to help people know what it's like to pass this thing on. And so there has to be an environment, a learning environment. And if you think about the biblical idea of disciples, there's a couple of different ways of learning. There's this way, which is the Greek style of learning. Everybody get in theater style, style seats and watch the talking head up here. But that's not the Hebrew style. Hebrew style is Jesus taking, hey, 12 guys, come with me. And they're walked together. They hung out together, you know, bathing together in the river, laughing, sleeping under the stars. And they got so much more than somebody just sitting in a. And we talk about this too a lot at the ark, like discipleship's not information. We oftentimes think growing up, oh, we're going to disciple you. Here's a 40-week class you got to go through. Well, discipleship's not information. It's relationship. We can prove it to you. Tell me the last five sermons you've heard in detail. (laughs) You can't. I can't. And I preached them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Watch this. Tell me five people who've changed your life. You can all spit that out right now. You need to be one of those five that changed somebody's life by just spending time with them. So it takes time. It takes a place. And if it's important, it needs to go on the calendar. So that's why internship works. And for us, it was, excuse me, it's not just a place where they they come to learn head knowledge. It's a place where we're going to teach them practical 
things about doing church so that in every area. And we'll do stage drills. You know, they'll have to get up on stage. All right, you take the offering, ready, go. And we all watch. Or you, you pitch the four things that we do. You close the service out after Sean preaches. I need you to pitch the four things we do. So they get up there. And I, I had a guy uh, two years ago now. He come up. He's, he was like, Sean, I could impersonate you. We were in the auditorium. Nobody's there. I was like, get up on stage and do it then. He got up on stage. There was two of us in the auditorium. And he verbatim closed the service how I closed the service. Pitched the four things we do, gave next steps, salvation call, all of it. Now, we laughed, and I was like, he's getting it. You know, if the more people that get the language, the more people that have the heart, the more people that build teams, that's where exponential growth comes from. It is not your good preaching. Because I, I, I was preaching for seven years straight and zero growth. It's when we begin to develop leaders. All right, so let's get real practical. Here, if you email um, Gene, G-E-N-E, at thefellowshipchurch.com, Gene, at thefellowshipchurch.com, he'll send you our intern packet. All right, so they give you everything that is required. Gene, G-E-N-E, at thefellowshipchurch.com. And just put on the subject line, um, internship. And he'll send you this whole packet that'll tell you all the questions that we ask. Because, I mean, these guys get in, they get in their business, guys. If you sign up for internship, you're saying to us, you are asking us and giving us the right to speak into your life. Now, um, you know, we, we have this thing, we say, it's now is your time. We want you to learn, live, and lead. And you don't have to take notes on this. It'll all be in the packet. But for nine months, you'll have the opportunity to learn what it means to be a life-giving servant leader and live the refreshing, relational, and relevant culture we value here at Fellowship Church. Ultimately, you'll get to serve with others in a team setting and on the same Christ-following journey uh, that you're on now. Our heart is for you to obtain both training and experience that will equip you for effective practical ministry and empower you for transferable leadership skills you can apply in all areas of your life and profession. So we're telling them, guys, even if you don't feel called to full-time ministry, this is gonna put you light years ahead of somebody even on your job. Like how many secular companies are looking for a competent leader who's comfortable in communication, who knows how to build teams, who's life-giving, all the things we want in church. You know what I mean? So either way, it's training them up. And the applicant needs to be between the ages of 18 and 40. Um, and that's just for us. You can put whatever age you want on there. We've, we did have a 50-year-old lady and she crushed it. She was great. But whatever age you want, it's just kind of harder to tell somebody who's 60, kind of speak to them. I mean, the intern director's, you know, super young and they're going to be ordering this lady around, having her do stuff that, yeah, it's just, it's more demanding being an intern. And so, um, upon the date of submitting the application. So they, they give you an application. Not everybody who applies gets in, by the way. Because now that Gene just came to me and said, Sean, here's what we're doing for next year. We are now going to have, they have to be saved for a year and attend the church and be in Dream Team for a year before they can be an intern. I said, why? He says, we're having too many issues with them because they're brand new and they stumble and crash, like really crash. Um, and, you know, some, we've had to dismiss, I think, four this year. And they work with them like crazy. You know, our team, they're there. They're calling them. They're all access to our staff, whatever they need. It's a great place. But it, it's not a discipleship program in the sense of like an entry-level discipleship. It's not a teen challenge. You know what I mean? <clears throat> it's an internship, a higher level. So that's something that we've learned. But they all have to go through growth track. They all have to be on the dream team. And um, if they're just starting off, we're going to ask them to go through our Fresh Start small group. That's a new believers small group. And then they have to go to a Freedom Conference. And a Freedom Conference, if you've never done that, some of the best curriculum for small groups ever. You can get it here at Highlands, get on the Grow website. We do it in the spring and in the fall. And it's 13 weeks of transforming your mind so that in two days, God can transform your soul. And we end with an incredible conference and just getting free from some stuff, you know? It's, it's a freedom conference without being weird. 
So they give us a, an application and they tell us why. Why am I pursuing my leadership goals through, through internship? Like they have to articulate this to us. Uh, what do I have to help to gain from this? How will, I, how will I add value to the vision and mission of the church? And what's an area that I foresee being a challenge for me during this nine-month internship? So we're getting a lot of information just to kind of feel our way through in the interview process. Like, are you a good fit? <clears throat> in the early days, it, I didn't care if you were a good fit. I needed warm bodies. I needed, you want to be an intern? Yes. Can you breathe? Yes. <laughs> Show up Monday. Um, and we would do early on, we would do some trips for the interns. We don't do this anymore because it's too big, but I miss it. We would take, you know, seven, 12, 15 away, one or two nights to go camping. And we do some internship building stuff. So they had separate two teams and they had to carry each other, take turns carrying each other up a mountain. And, and we, you saw their personalities come out. You saw their competitive edge come out. You saw the, the not so nice part of them. But it was like they all had to, it didn't matter who you carry, but you had to take turns and everybody had to be carried at some point. So they're struggling. Come on, hurry. I said, get on my back. You know, now you're like, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> and then at the very end, you, you talk to them about that. And then at that night over the campfire, you just kind of talk. Hey, tell me your story of coming to Christ. Tell me where you'd be without this church. Tears, 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 tears. I'd be dead. I'd be lost. I'd be. And then we take times praying over each one. Hey, guys, let's just pray over this guy. And sometimes there'd be a little word of encouragement, a, a little prophetic word if they wanted to, or, you know, a scripture. And they're all crying. What do we do? We, we bound their hearts together from the first week. Because you need them, you need to do something, team building, whatever. It could be at the church, but just something to unite them so they're not all over the place. Because they come from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different personalities. They're going to rub each other the wrong way. And, and then we, we teach them. Uh, here's three things I teach them very early on. I need you <clears throat> to be a self-feeder. I need you to be a self-feeder. Which means a lot of people come to church like, hey, what does this church have for me? What can you do for me? And we all approach church selfishly. The problem is some people stay there. I don't mind you approaching church, coming to church selfishly because that's there's a need Hey, I need God. I need church. I need, I need this message. I need, I need. All right, that's a great place to start. You just can't stay there. So I need you to feed yourself because we teach them Sundays are not for us. They have to know Sundays are not for us. Church becomes really fun when you stop coming just for you. Would y'all agree? That's when church comes up, becomes amazing because you're impressed with the worship and the, and the, and the preaching and the... Kids got a coloring page. Oh, this is amazing church. Yeah, that fades. Pretty soon you're going to know what to expect. In three months, six months, a year, whatever, at some point you're like, ah, you know, I'm just not as impressed anymore. Well, we're not trying to impress you. We're trying to get you on a team. Church becomes so fun when you stop coming for you. So teach them how to be self-feeders. Don't rely on Sundays to feed you. We've all had the people come from another church and say this dumb phrase. We left because we weren't being fed. What does that even mean? Like, we, we have more Bible than we know what to do with. How many translations do we have? I can't even count how many translations we have. We have it online. We have it on CD. We have it on podcasts. We have it on the internet. We have physical handheld Bibles with pages. We even have an app that will read it to you in a British language if you're too re lazy to read it for yourself. Like the only people who are, like cry when they're hungry are babies. Grown folks get up and make themselves a sandwich. Come on, everybody. Teach these interns. I need you to read your Bible. Feed yourself. Don't you come here Sunday looking for a word. This is not for us. We're coming for those who aren't here yet. So it switches. Everything switches. It's getting up from the table. It's getting a towel, washing feet. And then I want you to be a self-initiator, a self-initiator. Usually, well, for the first several years of the internship, I would place a crumpled up piece of paper on the floor that they would all have to walk over. And first day of class, just put it in the hallway, put it in the front door. 
Every one of them have walked, not one year, everybody walks over it. And the first day I go over there and I open up and somewhere in the, in the message, I'll go over there and say, hey guys, I planted something, a piece of paper right there that you all walked over because you didn't see it. I need you to start seeing what we see. See the little things. Stress the little things. Initiate. Don't wait for somebody else to pick that paper up. That paper should have been picked up by the first person who walked in this room. Keep your head on swivel. Always be looking. Who, who looks like they're lonely? Who looks like they can't use a word? Who, who looks like they're lost? Your, your head is now, you're at church. You are the host. And you cannot be just focused on the people you know. You got to be looking for the people that, that don't know where they're going. Don't wait. If you see a need, feel a need, right? So we teach them that. <clears throat> be a self-initiator. Initiate it. And then thirdly, be a self-sustainer. Be a self-sustainer. Millennials, you know, Gen X, uh, uh, Ys and Zs we're coming up to, they're a little bit more emotional. They're a little bit more a time. You know, they bring their dog because, you know, that's their emotional stress relief. That's okay. I have to have my dog with me. It's a, what do they call that? A stress? Yeah, it's my support dog. Everybody has a support dog. Um, all right, so I need, you to, I need you to kill the dog. And... I need you to be okay with, with not getting the pat on the back. We're not doing this for a pat on the back. We're doing this for a well done. <clears throat> We're not doing this so that you get seen and recognized. If you never get recognized, you are the hidden heroes of the church. You think of all the hidden heroes in the Bible? We all know Paul. Paul got all kinds of limelight and stage time. Paul. Paul, Paul, you don't know Tychicus or Onesimus. Everybody wants to name their son Paul. Ain't nobody named their son Tychicus. <laughs> Honey, what's a great name? Tychicus. Call him T-Bone. But Paul gave these guys shout outs five times to Tychicus, <clears throat> others for the other guys. Why? Because he knows that they were the hidden heroes you never even know their name, but we're sitting here today in an upper room because some of these guys gave their life for the Lord and we don't even know their name. You come to the body of Christ. Who do, who do you recognize in the body of Christ? The preachers, the worship leaders, because that's sexy. Oh, everybody wants to be on stage. That teaching gift, we've elevated it higher than any other gift and it's dumb. I don't mean teaching's dumb, but the fact that we've elevated that higher than any other gift it just gets more sage time. It's not better than any other gift. You need to know we're all getting a reward. We are the body of Christ. There are some parts of us that are seen, other parts that are unseen. But we think about this. Your guys never walked up to a girl first time and got, girl, you got a sexy spleen. Your esophagus, mm, on point. No. It's always the eyes, the hair, the smile, the dimple. It's all that. But how crucial are those hidden body parts that you never will get to see? Vitally important to the body. I had my appendix out three years ago and bad pains. Oh, I pray you never have to go through that. And I asked the doctor, I said, Doc, what, what does the appendix do? <laughs> the doctor who went to doctor school. He was like, <laughs> we don't know. I said, are you serious? You don't know what the opinion? We don't know. And I looked at him and laughed and I started thinking. We tell our interns, don't be an appendix. <laughs> well, you're a part of the body, but nobody knows what you do. You need to, you need to add benefit to wherever you are. If it's in the kid's zone, by the way, they're all background check, <clears throat> all that stuff. And, um, and we teach them. We teach them how to be those a self-feeder, a self-initiator, a self-sustainer. They got to buy into our core values, sign off on the, on the leadership covenant. And they have a whole like commitments, roles, and responsibilities page that they have to check off on everything. And that is, I'm, I'm committing myself to come to the, you know, the services. I'm committing myself to do this. I'm committing myself to this. So they're literally going on record to say, I am in. And um, 
And then they can pay in monthly installments and all that stuff. They meet with our girl who does that. But we have 22 teams that they can join. And we want them to be familiar with, they're not going to be experts in all of them, but I want to train up some more leaders. Like Jesus is like, guys, he's, he's walking with his disciples. He's crushing some, some grain. He's like, guys, the harvest is ready. The laborers are few. You are always asking the Lord to send you laborers, but you are walking by the ones he has already given you in your lobby every single week. You got to find, you got to find them. And so um, it's a high honor environment. It's a high, you know, when a speaker walks in, they all stand and applaud. Why? It's not for the speaker. Everybody loves to preach at our church. Everybody who comes through says it's the easiest church to preach to. It's a, it's a great environment, but it's because the honor is so stinking high. <laughs> honor is never for the one receiving it. It's always for the one giving it. So I, when I preach at a church and there's huge honor, they receive so easy. Where there's a lack of honor, it's like preaching to a brick wall. And I'm a great preacher. I'm kidding. That's dumb. <laughs> But I am, I, am th- I am thankful for the places that have honor. It's like Jesus. He didn't do those miracles where there was no honor. So we teach honor is so huge to the honor. And it's probably, it might even be overboard to some of y'all. Y'all might think like, ah, that's a little too far. I would rather err on honor this side than a lack of honor over here. Because by God, we need Jesus to move in our cities. I, don't, I would rather him say, huh, this is way too much honor in your city than the antithesis, which is a lack thereof. So um, that's kind of that's our flow. It's super simple. And I wanted to demystify the internship because some of you are waiting to start an internship and you don't need to. Don't feel like you have to do a full week-long program. You can do that if you want to and if you're staffed to. Other than that, here's a commitment. You serve every service and then we have a two-hour leadership program where you're just going to, teach leadership. I mean, for, for crying out loud, you can, you can go listen to a podcast from any great leader and regurgitate that to them. Just here, here's what you're doing. You're training them up with no promise of a job, but it's a nine-month job interview and they don't know it. Give them tasks, check back in on them and see if they did it. If they didn't do it, why did you feel like it's okay to come back this next week and, and you didn't do it? You're addressing character. You're addressing, you know, conduct. You're addressing all of their gifts. You're helping them along the journey. And by the end of the nine months, you have some people that are more comfortable and confident in ministry that can help build the body. Amen? All right. Let's do some Q&A. Not sure how much time we got. How much time we... 20 minutes? All right. Yeah. assuming they have they're involved in a lot of other departments uh does each department have somebody that speaks into them uh about that area so they're comfortable in it or is it just the overall director of the internship that helps them get comfortable it's both and yeah so the the director is overseeing all of the interns making sure they're you know that you're going to be serving here for the next you know season it could be a day or it could be several weeks learning a thing and then the, the team captain over that is taking them under their wing, bring them a little closer. Here's what you do. Here's what we do. It's watching me. It's now you doing it, me watching. It's shadowing. And then it's, it's, it's grading, really. I mean, they're, they're going to be talking to them a lot blunter than a regular dream teamer. And uh, their feedback is immediate. So um, we teach them this too, by the way. We don't critique on a weekend. We don't critique on a weekend. Unless it can help another service, we don't critique. Here's why. I would get in a car on a Sunday and I would just go off. I know none of y'all do that. I just, why can't the sound man get the sound mic on? How come they couldn't get the words right? Oh, so frustrating. The video came on with no music, no audio. And the Lord said, you have four little girls in the back of your van that are listening and it's robbing the joy of what we are giving our lives to every week. Because I'm cynical by nature and I see stuff 
I got a D personality inside of me and an I, but I also have a heavy D and I, I see stuff wrong and I want to fix it immediately. And uh, my wife loves it when I just tell her how, how to fix stuff and not listen. Women love that, by the way, guys. Um, and the Lord convicted me. So now we have a statement at our church and it's this. If you can't say anything nice, force yourself to. I go to so many churches. I'm like, hey, what was the win of the weekend? Uh, I, uh, you ought to know. And we start off staff meetings. We start off almost every meeting. Hey, guys, tell me the, some wins of the week. And they know to come. I talked to this lady. She said this and this. This guy, true story, t- three weeks ago, he, was, he said he was going to commit suicide. He came, begged God, please help the preacher to say something about what I'm going through. And I preached on depression and suicide that weekend. He's coming back. He gave his life to Christ. Like just boom, 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 boom. We teach them this type of stuff. Te- teach them what you want more of in your church and teach them to see that stuff to go after it. Anybody else? Yeah. Just follows the school year. Yep. Yeah. One year before college or before starting a job and everything. How would you help after the internship program these people to find a place in, in, in the church? Because mostly I experienced that they want to give the same amount of time and energy and everything into the church because they started to love it and experience something special, but then lag or have the problem because they don't have the time. And then how do, how do you help the interns after the internship? It's a great question. How do you help the interns after the internship? Some do fall off. They were good. And it's like in a small group. When you're in a small group, light, you're doing great. When you're out of a small group, you start making bad decisions. So there's a healthy support system that they have. You have to teach them weeks before, which we're starting to do now, um, how to take their steps after. All right, here's what it's going to look like, guys. You may not serve every weekend, and that's okay, but you will go on a team. You will get on a team. You will stay in a small group. This is for your own benefit, and it's kind of the offloading process. And um, we we will have them in a couple weeks. We'll have 59 people come on stage, and they'll graduate. I do that every service for a reason. That's for them to feel like, look out and see the people's lives they changed. Because we're always tying what we do to what they do. Like we had 400 people give their life to Christ Sunday. Well, they need to know we had, you guys did that. It wasn't just Sean, it was y'all. And, and also that's our biggest and best chance of getting new people signed up for the next year. So when we had seven people, we brought them up and that inspired more people like, ah, I've seen them around. I think I want to do that. So we do interest meetings, several interest meetings. And that just, you could bring them in, make it hot, fun, not a meeting meeting, make it fun, make it life-giving, do a little worship, and then talk to them about how you want to invest in them. And, and uh, we're going to change the world. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. But um, yeah, there's got to be an offloading process, but prep them for it. Otherwise they're blindsided. And, and then everything else is pulling at them and they don't have anything to hold on to and they, some slip away. Yeah. When you have a gap, right between the four months and nine months, what do you do in that gap? We have an internship program, but in between years, it seems like stuff just gets dropped. Uh, he's asking, what do we do between the three-month break? Um, they're still in contact with, you know, the people that they did internship with they're still in contact with the overseers of that internship program. They're going through small groups. We have conferences. They're still serving. So it's like you keep them as close as you possibly can. Yeah. And you're prepping them for the next one. Yeah. First year intern, um, it's all approved. Second year intern is only invite only. Yeah. Sure. Yep. And, And then it could be more specialized even. So second year can be more specialized. Like I want to do kind of pastoral. I want to do kind of um, creative or whatever, <clears throat> but they're all serving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mentors assign and, and depending on how many they can handle, some person, 
some people can just handle one intern. Others can handle six and they're there. Uh, but, but we do an assessment every three months individually. And there's, uh, it's all in the packet. It'll give you questions to ask them, personal questions. Hey, how are you doing with this? How's this part of your life? So we're very involved in them and they're asking those questions because you don't want them to, to struggle and nobody knows. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's great. And by the way, I forgot to tell you, we do a, a high school internship program in the summer, six weeks, two days a week, leadership, leadership. And they become so tight in the high school, they become the leaders in the youth group the next year. Ninth through 12th grade. Yep. So there's a pipeline now. And then internship, Bible college, you know, it's just, it's everything needs to be adding to something else. What does, what does it fuel out of that? So our internship pours back into our dream team. Um, our high school internship pours into the next internship. And it's always leading to another step. And our youth director is now asking if she could do um, a, f- a four-month internship instead of just a six-week with high school. And I said, absolutely. Why not? I mean, the, close, the more time you can get with people, the better. Yeah. A little bit in serving. And our Bible college, is a, it gives you all the credit, accreditation. So it has all the courses from SCU. And um, they're going to learn all the book smarts, all the papers, grades. And it's accredited, meaning you can transfer those credits to any major college in America. Uh, and then they serve on top of that, which I believe is probably where Bible colleges are going. Not against every Bible college that's not in the church, but I think so many Bible colleges need that money from the government. They're willing to flip on uh, certain subjects of of homosexuality, other things that we've seen some do already because they need the money. So, you know, yeah, we allow homosexual um, professors and things like that because so there's a lot of that going on and I think most of them will. But as a as an internship or a Bible college in a mega church, we don't need the government's money. So, and we have we have a working lab. Get your book smarts, but now learn how to build a team. Like I had a session with our Bible college students and, and our interns. Here's how you talk to a, a married couple that's about to divorce. Here's what you say. I didn't learn that in Bible college. Here's how you build a team. Here's how you baptize somebody. That's, that's helpful. And you know what I mean? Here's how you do a funeral. My first funeral, was not, I was 19 years old. Pastor didn't want to do it. Executive didn't want to do it. It passed it to me. Fresh out of Bible college, never done a funeral in my life. It was baby triplets. Little caskets on. Are you kidding me? No preparation. Just went there and wept. Like, I, I mean, I'm there, but I'm like, no, there's no training for this. Type. Guys are struggling with real issues in life and we have nobody that's trained. So you have to assimilate some of this stuff in the internship, in the Bible college to help people because people need people who are prepared. Yeah. Oh yeah. They oftentimes get a lot more out of it and they become stronger leaders that disciple the younger ones. So it's a healthy balance in there. <clears throat> it's like somebody going to college at 30 versus 18. They're way more serious at 30 than they are 18. Yeah, they're still trying to figure it out. It's kind of high schoolish. You're going to deal with some drama, you know, between everybody, have some sit downs. Hey guys, this cannot be happening. You know, it's just, yeah. I to start off with, I would say that intern director is probably going to do everything. I mean, you can have other staff members help pick one, you know, Hey, everybody, we got seven interns. We got seven staff. Let's all pick one and take them under our wing or, you know, check up on them or whatever you can do. It can look however you want to. Uh, but for the main part, if you have a full-time person over the internship, uh, especially when you're starting off, usually internships start off very small and you have to build the success of that for the church to see that 
to now that be a viable option for people the next year. So if you're going to start one in the fall, you guys need to be pitching it right now because people are wondering what they're going to be doing. So make a creative video, make some slides, some graphics, make it cool looking, uh, have some interest meetings, tell them what it's going to be about. And, um, you know, they need to see how it's going to benefit them too. We want to pour into your leadership. We want to get you comfortable and confident. But typically, you know, for the first few years, it was just one person over it all. Yeah. Yeah. a very clear divide between church staff who understand interns and like what they're there to do and then the other half just don't understand that interns are not are like for more than just cutting papers and stuff in chairs. so how do you help that group of church staff understand that they're not just there to do busy work i mean it has to be a conversation from the pastor and and let them know it's like guys we're not a moving company we're not going to come i need to, i need an intern come vacuum my office you know where the vacuum is like, come on, we're, these interns are going to do some of that, but that's not, they're just not here for that. We're here to train them for ministry. And yes, they're going to scrub some toilets, but we want to pour into them some, some skills that they're going to learn. I need a servant's heart, but I also need them to get some, some skills down because otherwise we're going to graduate people who are great at toilet cleaning. But how is that, a, you know what I mean? They need to have some other side too. So it comes from the pastors to just let them know, guys, these are not our slaves. They, these are interns we ought to treat them with respect and honor and pour our lives into them. That's what Paul did. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, so awesome the high school. We're starting our first high school internship this summer. Leadership-wise, what would be like the things that, it's only six weeks, what are the things, the leadership topics that you would hit that you're like, they've got to know these leadership principles before they leave an internship? for the high school students or for the people who are adults doing it for nine months? It's, it's a culture. It's heavy, heavy culture. Almost every teaching we do is on culture. And yes, you know, Brian Houston says you, you can't teach culture. You can just model it. You just be it. But I think, I think it comes in teaching as well. Even him saying that he's model, he's teaching it. And uh, it, there's different ways of, of teaching. Here's, who we, here's how we respond in certain circumstances. So attitude is huge. Um, and it's, a, it's four things from growth track even. I, I need you to have your own relationship with God. Love God, like really love him. Pray, read your Bible, the health of your spiritual life, all that. Number two, I need you to love people, like genuinely love people. Go out of your way because God knows how much you love him by how you treat people. He said that to Peter, if you love my, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep. That's how I'll know. And, and then I need you to, to pursue excellence. Where are you not excellent? Let's look at the, the, da, the floorboard of your car. Is that excellent? You're asking God to give you more in a small group or you know, stage time. Why would God give you more when you can't even handle your bedroom? You know what I mean? So it's, it's teaching them all the excellent side of things because excellence creates comfort. And we want to create an excellent environment. And Nordstrom said it this way, excellence creates comfort and comfort creates repeat customers. So people come to our church, we're striving for excellence. We're never there but we can get 1% better than last week. And then I need you to choose joy. This is a big one. I need you to fix your face. I need you to understand choices lead, feelings follow. If you don't come, don't, don't you come in here with an Eeyore spirit. Like we've talked to some people. I'm like, we never know which version of you is showing up. It's either happy, go lucky. Everybody loves you or sunglasses on. Don't talk to me. Do not make people walk on eggshells around you. Why? Because every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. And we're going to give them our best. Our first day of internship last year, this guy back here, was, he kept falling asleep. And I was like, wake that guy up. First, first year, first day. He fell asleep a second time. I was like, guys, wake that guy up right now. I said, bro, what are you doing? I, got, I was teaching a culture thing in front of all the interns not a private chat. This is now, bro, what are you doing? Like I'm, I'm speaking. This is not, you want green pastures? That's on the other side of this wall. That's, that's Sundays. This, we're going to raise you up. And then afterwards he came to me. He was like, oh, sorry, Sean. I'm just so sorry. I, and he gave me the sob story. I was, I was, I was working late till 11 uh, and just so tired today. And I said, he thought that would be sufficient. So I said, all right, you got home at 11. What time did you go to sleep? Two on a Saturday night. 
All right, so you get home at 11. You're hungry. You probably ate something. That's 11.30. What did you do until 2 a.m.? He didn't say anything. I said, I can tell you what you're doing. You're surfing the internet, surfing Instagram till two. And because you didn't manage your time on a Saturday night, we now don't get the best version of you. And how is God going to use you when you're, you're so sleepy? You can't welcome somebody. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple coming in today. They're on the verge of divorce. There's another broken man that came in and he's not sure if he can make it through this week. And because you didn't manage your time, now they suffer. So we teach them time management. So many, so many young people are struggling with anxiety and depression. And I think a lot of it is due to the, a lack of time management. I think there's a chemical thing imbalance in some, but I think there's a lot of people, they don't manage their time well. You got to teach them how to put the big rocks in first, what that looks like. And, and, and really, like it's, it's every week, become more systematic. And so that's one thing as well. Yeah. I did at first. I don't anymore. <clears throat> I come in. I try to get in there as much as I can, but we have a bunch of people who can teach now. You just do what you need to do for the season. Yeah. All right, five minutes. We got a couple more. Yeah. Do you have a list? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, it's the honor code. I think. <clears throat> I think one was sleeping around. Uh, and I think the others might have been attitude stuff. Yeah. You know, if they're toxic to the rest of the group, I'm not willing to sacrifice the rest of the group for, you know, the culture for your gift. So we got to protect culture at all costs. We're militant with culture. Yeah. That's a great question. Do we have a list of sequence, teachings in sequence? I don't think we do, but if you ask Gene on the email, he probably does because he's a pretty systematic guy, I would imagine. Yeah. How much are they coming into the office during the week to help the staff? Uh, was there our... Right now, it's, it's, it's five services. Well, we have seven services because we have two campuses. So some serve here, some serve there, and then it's a rotation. <clears throat> um, they come to Thursday night prayer. If they can, you know, if their job's making them work, we're not harping on them. Um, and then some come to youth group, but pretty much the rest of them, you develop a, a thirst for things and you don't have to ask them to come into the office. They're, they're coming in just because. So, hey, can I learn? Can I help you with anything? Can I help you? So it's, there's no set hours during the week, but we do have some that come through. <laughs> We started with one. I mean, way back in the day. And um, I would just say, you got to bring whoever it is, you bring them close, bring them so close to you. And back then it was like, hey, I'm, I got to run an errand. Come with me. Or hey, uh, let's go get some coffee. And you bring them close. And the more, the more that they see that you love them and you're willing to pour their, your life into them, they start opening up, opening up, opening up. And pretty soon you're, you're discipling. And then you start calling stuff out of them. Hey, there's potential in you. I see leadership in you. I want to see you do this. Hey, we're going to work on this. It could be more organic if you need it to be, but just start wherever you can. Because if, like, I say this a lot, you'll always feel stuck if you refuse to start. <laughs> so start. Yeah. I started the church 16 years ago with 22 people when I was 24. Crazy. Any city's hard. I think every, every pastor thinks say, Lucifer himself is attacking my city. I'm convinced the devil doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> he knows who Tommy Barnett is. He knows who Chris Hodges is. He, I got some lower level demons, but yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we teach them here's what we want. We, hey, we want you interns up front leading the, leading the charge in worship. We want you interns out here grading. We want you we just direct them. And you come with passion, energy, all that. All right. Guys, can I pray for you? Lord, I love you and I thank you so much that you are the greatest intern director the world's ever known. You started this whole thing with an internship and those guys changed the world. I pray for that same anointing over all of our churches, that great grace and great growth would mark us and that we would be able to pour our lives into these other people and um, that they would go on to do greater things than us. Help us to be great fathers, great mothers. And we bless these churches now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the conference.